Hi, this is Lindy, the creator and host of Lindy's Audio Cafe, a podcast focused on positive and thought-provoking stories. Life gets busy, and in the race for happiness, we sometimes forget it's often the smaller things in life that truly matter. My podcast is focused on the stories that don't make tabloids, the basics that make you smile, the kindness of people who help make the world a better place. Yeah, we need a bit more of that. But before we get started, please be sure to hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss future episodes. Thanks for listening. Well, hello there and welcome to Lindy's Audio Cafe. My name is Lindy and I'm absolutely delighted to join you once again today. Well, you know, today I'm really excited because I get to welcome a very special guest today and he has kindly agreed to join me online and we're going to talk about trucking. That's right. Now, Walter Gallen is a trucker and he has been driving semis for 37 years. That's a long time and that's a lot of road experience. Walter lives in Grinnell, Iowa. I hope I pronounced that correctly. And that's over 3,300 kilometers away from where I live in Canada. That's a long way, over 2,000 miles. So I'd like to welcome Walter. Hi, Walter. It's so great to have you with us today. Well, thank you for having me. This is great. Now, you have been driving truck for a long time. And what got you interested in it? Well, I was raised in a six-bay shop. My dad was a Marine, and then when he got out of the Marines, he loved mechanics. And he started a shop and had a lot of tow trucks. And on top of the fact that he had tow trucks for cars, he had very large tow trucks, which pulled big machines out of the ditch if somebody got into a wreck. So I was exposed to bigger vehicles then. When I went in the Army, I worked on tanks and personnel carriers, which was even bigger stuff. So when I got out of the army, I says, I'm going to buy me a truck. And that's exactly what I did. Good for you. And that was 37 years ago? 1984. That's pretty cool. And so now you're based in Iowa. Is that your hometown or have you lived there a long time? I was actually born and raised in California. It was my wife okay. that decided after I got laid off in California to come out in Iowa in the late 90s. I believe it was 97. And I said, uh, Iowa, is that in the United States? <laughs> <laughs> I was joking, of course, but uh, it was uh, it was a strange move for me. It took me several years to get used to this part of the country, but I wouldn't go anywhere else now. I think I'm going to die here, especially uh. if my kids have anything to do with it. <laughs> and it sounds like you really like the area. And what's your climate like for trucking? What kind of temperatures do you deal with? I think we're better off than most because although we end up with real frigid temperatures and real hot temperatures, they don't last here. We are kind of on the line where the band goes up and down quite a bit. So it, we may end up with a few days of real bad freeze and some ice on the road, but within a couple of days, it'll melt off and then we'll end up with 20, 30 degrees and everybody will start wearing shorts again. Oh, nice. That sounds pretty good to me. Maybe I need a trip to Iowa. <laughs> so now there's something that really intrigues me here. You have started a podcast as well, and it's called the Trucker Buffet. Am I right on that? Yes. Trucker Buffet. And now I like that because I was thinking about it one day. I've got Lindy's Audio Cafe and you've got the Trucker Buffet. <laughs> so we've managed to incorporate a, something with a bit of a healthy appetite in the name. 
But, you know, when I first learned about your podcast, I was really intrigued about it. And part of it's because I have a soft spot for truckers. There are people in my family who drive truck. Um, there are the parents of good friends growing up who drove trucks. I've always had a soft spot for trucks on the road. And when I first listened to your podcast, I have to say that I was glued to it. I <laughs> couldn't stop listening. Um, and can you tell me a little bit about your podcast? What what got you going? How, how come you started it? Well, throughout the years, I've noticed that people have become distant with each other. And it doesn't matter if you drive a truck or a car or whatever. People have started getting distant. And the more people would get angry with big trucks because of the moves that they make on the road, the more I would find out that they actually didn't know much about the lifestyle of a trucker and why certain trucks do the things they do, such as drive real slow in certain areas. I mean, to us, it's real simple. We're, we're extremely heavy. And there are certain places where we drive, we have to maneuver much slower. And there's people out there that actually do not understand this. They think they can, we can drive a truck like they can drive a car. I'm sure they understand the logistics of weight and stopping distance and things like that. But I don't think it really clicks until somebody explains to them what they're going through. And hence the trucker buffet. But it's also many reasons and another reason is because a lot of truckers have given up on being kind to one another because there's so much stress out there and a lot of trucks have given up waving at each other the camaraderie has gotten real low and the understanding from people who drive four-wheelers have gotten real low so i hope i can bridge that gap with a buffet that'll feed everybody's brain with enough information that'll make them satisfied and you're certainly bringing to light some things that we, the normal people, well, not normal. I mean, we, we the yeah. regular people. There saying, we go. Yeah, I'm not saying you're That's not all right. Normal. A lot of people say that you guys are more normal than we are. It takes a lot to sit in that seat for many hours. So most people would say that's not exactly normal anyway. And you probably drive by us and go, that is not normal what I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I see a guy go three miles in his car. I'm going, I don't think I could handle that. No, and you probably can't handle being behind him either. <laughs> but, you know, it really is good what you're doing because you do see a lot of things like I wouldn't have known about the hand wave thing. And I think about this, like, say, even in terms of riding motorcycles here, it's kind of an etiquette thing here where I live. You ride a motorcycle and you pass another rider. Usually you put your hand out and you give a little wave on the left side. And it's just kind of an etiquette thing that acknowledges you're on the road. And yeah, I would think, why wouldn't you just raise a hand as, as long as you're not, you know, waving all over the place. You're just putting a hand up and saying, hey, as you go by. Exactly. And the camaraderie, that's a huge thing. Any industry you're in, it's really important to support each other. I think that uh, education is the key to success for anything you do. And the more people understand what you do and why you do it, the less aggravated they get when they see you do something because they will understand why you were doing what you're doing. And as far as truck drivers go, I think it's important that they reiterate the lessons from old as well as the newer lessons that we've learned to keep safe on the road and remind ourselves continuously that this is 80,000 pounds. This is 40 tons that could do some serious damage to a lot of people. And sometimes I feel that some of us get complacent out there and we feel like we have to get this job done, but we really don't. 
What we need to do is concentrate on the safety aspect absolutely first. Everything else comes second. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves of that. Yeah, and that's probably something that can be very hard to do when you're facing a lot of pressure. You have to be here, you have to be there, you've, you know, map delays, that sort of thing along the way. I'm sure lots of people when they're on the road feel those kinds of pressures from time to time. I think there's a lot of things that people can be reminded of because I know when I started driving in the 80s, people loved truck drivers. They thought they looked up to them. They thought they were the cowboys and cowgirls of the of the road they just they respected them so much and i think a lot of that has to do with driving habits but driving habits can change when the population of vehicles on the road change so today compared to 84 there's millions and millions of more vehicles out on the road and they really haven't made the roads much bigger we just started a project in iowa two years ago where Interstate 80 is now going to go from two lanes on each side to three lanes on each side. So what good is that going to do us today? Not much. In fact, it's going to get in the way simply because of the fact they have to tear everything up. But when that opens up, there's going to be more room for more cars. But what good is that going to do everybody if they just get complacent and don't realize that patience is the key when you're traveling down the road? And I think that you've hit a very key important thing there, the part about patience. And I believe you actually covered that in one of your episodes. And I'm going to refer to your episode. I think it was titled, um, Would You Give Nine Minutes for a Day of Peace? And yeah, that, that was that, important. That is so important. And I just think about that. If you ask somebody, even if they're listening right now, just stop and think, would you give nine minutes for a day of peace? I think most people, if they stop and thought, what's nine minutes out of all the minutes that I have in a day? They should be able to do that. And and where did you come from on that episode? What, what, what started all of that? Well, I did a study and I've, I've done research on the travel times that trucks have to take in order to do things. Do you know when a truck gets off an interstate, even to just stop to use the restroom or maybe buy a quick soda? There is 20 minutes lost in that getting off and getting back on. A truck has to move methodically. It has to move slow. It has to be very uh, focused on being able to maneuver so it doesn't hit other vehicles. But when you make that time, when you slow down from the speed limit and then get back on to the speed limit again, you have lost 20 to 30 minutes. Well, if you're going to do that, why not drive a little bit slower so that you can be safer and you don't have to make as many lane changes and then you wouldn't have to stop for certain things as i was going to omaha and back on a scheduled run i dropped my speed down to two minutes below the speed limit just to see what would happen and the lane the the amount of less lane changes i had to make was amazing but when i got to the other end i only lost a few minutes compared to what people think. They drive fast, they stay in the left lane, they think they can save time. You're not saving any time. You're losing a few minutes, but you're gaining enough peace and stability in your own mind that where your reflection of what you're doing basically tells you that, hey, look, I'm paying attention more, I'm relaxed more, I'm able to focus on my job. Nobody gets hurt that way. But those that those people that race to get to that next off ramp or race to get to that next delivery point, 
they are losing so much attention span because the stress level goes up when they're when they have to focus on everything around them much greater because they're traveling at a higher rate of speed and you're gaining maybe a few minutes and that's it but your peace level is down to 10%. And that's a really interesting point and I think you know that gets me thinking even as um, somebody who's just driving a regular vehicle on the road. I mean, yes, you're right. When you start getting that rush to get there in this big hurry, your your adrenaline starts to run and your stress levels do go up. And I'm sure there's probably things that you must encounter along the way that that impact your ability to get to someplace at a certain time. I mean, if you get behind somebody really slow on the road, that's got to be hard for you too, especially if it's a big vehicle and it's not easy to get around. I'm sure that can be a challenge too. Well, I think for all concerned, whether it be a large, wide vehicle that we have to be patient to get around of, um, those few minutes cost people their lives every single day. People in a hurry so that they could get home to the ones they love. And you never make it home to the ones you love. I mean, how horrific is that? Your yeah. family literally has to put you in the ground because you tried to get there a few minutes quicker. What is the point? Yeah, get-home-itis doesn't always pay. And I'm sure when you're out there, you know, you deal with different personalities on the road. And I know you talked, and I'm not sure if it was this episode or another one, where you talked about your mocha and how important your mocha is. (laughs) There you go. You got your mocha. I got my coffee here. It's the cafe buffet. (laughs) There you go. But, you know, with that mocha, you don't care. When you're on your way to work, you're getting that mocha, and you're not in a rush. You'll get there when you get there. I've done that for years. When I first found out about Starbucks and specialty coffee shop, and I know a lot of people think it's weird, but there's not much I do personally for myself that rewards me. I generally work extremely hard for the surroundings and for my family, but I don't ask for much. And the reason that is, is because I pretty much have everything I want in life. But when I tasted that mocha, and I'm, I love coffee, and as bad as coffee sh- is getting in truck stops, yeah, I think I would uh, do anything to find a parking spot to get a mocha just about anywhere. And I have done it. <laughs> that is great. I love it. <laughs> that is good. And I admire it because I've been out there and I've watched big trucks when they're coming into these parking lots. And I just, my automatic reaction is give give them space, give them room to move. They've got a lot more to back up. I'm in my little teeny four-wheel, four-cylinder car with my backup camera. It's pretty easy for me to get moving, but give those guys space when they're trying to get in and get a coffee. And, uh, you know, there's another thing that you talked about, which really had me thinking about it as well. And there's another episode where you talk about secured loads. And, you know, how it's really important and and it's the driver's responsibility to make sure um, that their load is secure. What can you tell me about that? Well, a lot of folks do not realize that a secured load is extremely important. Um, In fact, in most states in the United States, it is the driver's responsibility and only the driver's responsibility criminally if a load becomes unsecure while you are driving down the road and there's a mishap. A lot of people don't know this. They think, well, they're loading the truck. They should be responsible. That's not the case. It's your job to know what you're pulling at all times. It's your job to understand each and every function of every single part on that truck and trailer. 
It's your job to make sure that you drive that vehicle as safely as possible. Anything out of the ordinary and you notice it and ignore it, you should be held criminally liable. In Iowa, we have a law that says it doesn't matter what the situation. If that load becomes insecure, you are held criminally liable and you will go to jail if people die. Now, civilly, it could be the company that loaded that's liable. But I need drivers to understand certain laws as well because I didn't even know that. Wow. I know for a fact the last several years, loading companies have not been allowing people to go into the building because of COVID and other things. And we can't even see how they're loading it, but they expect us to close the doors and drive down the road. Well, that could actually kill people. And we don't want that. Wow. So has that changed now? Are they allowing people to go back in? Well, we're working on it. Um, There's still a lot of companies. They will not allow you to go into the facility because of forklift traffic and things like that. When I started driving in 84, you were the only one responsible for that loaded trailer. You had to stand by that trailer and count every piece of product that went in there. Because once you sign that bill of lading, if there was something missing, you paid for it. Today, not so much. You don't even get to see the pallets go in the trailer. And to me, that is scary. You don't even know what you're hauling, even though they put something on the bill of lading. That doesn't mean that's what you're hauling. You could be hauling something illegal for all you know. I mean, there's a lot of people that do nefarious things, but you're not given the opportunity to check the load for its security or to check the load to make sure it's the right product. Wow, that that's huge. And that is not something I would have ever thought about. I mean, uh, and, and as far as that goes for the loading process, if people are allowed to go in and watch that, does that really add a length of time to the day? Or is it a fairly quick process once it's ready to go? Generally, it can be a quick process because that what they can do is they can go inside the building, stand by the door of the trailer and monitor every pallet of product that goes in that truck and if they see something that doesn't look right they will know because they do this every single day so i don't know i don't know the probability of illegal products being put on the truck or the probability of a load being insecure especially when it's packed with pallets but the point is trucks do flip over all the time and i believe a lot of reasons those trucks flip over are not because of driver error I believe it's because of load error. Wow, that's a huge one. And uh, yeah, that's something I would have never thought about. We need to keep an eye on that. Yeah, and I don't even know how it is for us here in Canada. I can't speak to it because I'm not familiar with that. And would that be differing rules between the states as well? Like different states have different rules or would that be a national thing for you guys? I think we pretty much drive on the same line when it comes to stuff like that because safety is always a big factor in what we do. We all want to make it home alive. I give kudos to Iowa for holding the driver accountable because the squeaky wheel is always going to get the grease. I know I live here on Vancouver Island, so I'm in a coastal climate, but of course we see lots of big trucks come over from Vancouver, from the mainland, bringing in our supplies. They travel on the ferry and everything comes over here i mean whether it's clothing furniture groceries medications basic supplies that's on the trucks um i have a friend who drives truck and he drives nursery products for all the like the plants and bushes and trees in the spring he's busy delivering flowers in his big truck to all the garden centers around the island that's what he's bringing in 
you know, you see lots here. We have a lot of logging in our area, so we see a lot of logging trucks out on the road. So we see all kinds of trucks. And so, I mean, the drivers are dealing with such a diversity when it comes to what you're transporting, animals, you name it. There's all kinds of stuff. And uh, people don't always think about how much goes on behind the scenes. Well, we're not all too different. I mean, we're, we're all driving a vehicle to get from one place to another, and we all want to make it alive. Exactly. But I think the animosity comes from the lack of education of knowing what exactly is going on and what is expected of all of us in order to make that process happen in a safer manner. But it's, it's, it's not all just business either. I mean, you can't just be locked up and stressed out about things. You yeah. have to have a little bit of fun. Oh, yeah. So relaxing a little bit on the road is fine, but paying attention is key. Absolutely. I mean, there's nothing wrong with throwing on a good set of tunes, you know, the trucker tunes. Well, but... that's that brought me to, to something I'd like to mention just real briefly, because we sure. do talk a lot about what we listen to out on the road. And if nobody's heard of Eva Cassidy, she's okay. a gal that passed away of cancer in the 90s. But she's just now getting recognized the last five to seven years. Her music is awesome. If you guys get a chance, look up Eva Cassidy. She's a she's a she's awesome. Wow. Eva Cassidy was very talented, but she was not known at all until years after she passed away. But if you guys look up Eva Cassidy, that'll help keep her her legacy going because she was a beautiful woman and she wrote beautiful songs and she sang and played like an angel. Wow. And you've been listening to all this while you're out on the road. Out on the road. I pick the best of the best because I don't want my time to be wasted. And I try to pick music that will make me more comfortable and relaxed on the road because that helps me get through the day with less stress. That's perfect. I love to hear that. And uh, speaking of getting through the day, I know there's other things that you have to deal with when you're out on the road. And I'm going to bring up truck stop cafes. Now, I worked at one of these when I was about 18 years old. And this was back in the Yukon. And I can remember they had the big parking lot and all the rigs would come up and pull in there. And I got to know a lot of the truck drivers that came in. They were so nice. And I think, yeah, I was 18 or 19 years old. And they were always super nice. You get to see the same faces coming through all the time. You kind of developed a rapport with these people. And I know you have to go to lots of truck stop cafes. What's your experience been like? Well, unfortunately, in the last decade, a lot of cafes have actually shut down. Even our biggest oh. one here in Des Moines, Iowa, they have traded the restaurant in for the fast food. Oh. And unfortunately, when you meet people at fast food, it's fast. So you don't get time to talk to a person, a waiter or waitress serving you food. You don't get time to talk to other drivers. You order, you eat, you go. It is sad. Uh, there are still several places throughout the United States. Uh, I-80 Truck Stop, which is the largest truck stop in the world, in Walcott, Iowa, still has a big restaurant. And they still have a driver's only section, which is kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, for the most part, it's going away. And unfortunately, we're going to miss that. I wish it would come back, but I don't foresee it in the future. So with the fast food kind of taking the front line, does that make it harder to stay healthy on the road, trying to have good eating habits? Yes, it's horrible. Uh, a lot of guys are obese. A lot of people, uh, and they can't really help themselves. They don't really offer you a lot of truck stops anymore. They have tried to pacify us by bringing in little bowls of strawberries or watermelon or stuff like that. But 
it doesn't help because the packaging they put it in makes it taste like oil. Oh, I don't no. know what the packaging is. It must be some sort of um, oil-based product, but it makes the fruit taste horrible, and most people don't buy it anyway. Oh, no. So that's kind of a wasted effort. And what kinds of things would you like to see if you were going to a truck stop cafe to get a bite to eat? I would love to see restaurants come back. And I know it's almost impossible for that to happen because of the financial stability of things and the fact that people are having a tough time getting employees. Mm. But I would like to see the restaurant come back where a person could sit down and have a healthy meal instead of having to grab their stuff to go because it's so, I don't know how what word to use. Uh, it's just not practical to sit there. And as soon as you grab your fast food, you go, well, maybe I should just get in the truck and eat it while I'm going down the road. And that yeah. takes away from your relaxation, your bonding with other people, your and it just makes life more stressful. Yeah, I, I think I would agree. And I mean, it's kind of like just taking the truck and going in and putting the gas pump up and filling it up with gas and then disconnecting and off you go. And it's like you said, you're missing that people connection a little bit. And, you know, and I think about it, I mean, I know I'm, I try to be very healthy. I try to eat healthy, although I will confess I have a soft spot for cheesies and potato chips, but <laughs> everybody has <Okay>. their, <laughs> yeah, you mochas, I do chips and cheesies. <laughs> everybody has their thing, but but, you know, I think about how it must be hard to maintain the healthy lifestyle because I know myself, um, especially being in my mid-50s, that, you know, I tire out after a certain length of day. But physical exercise is so important to me. Eating healthy is so important to me. How do you manage that? I mean, if you're doing a 16-hour day, you can't exactly feel like getting up saying, oh, I'm going for a jog now. You've been in the truck for so many hours. Do you find for truckers it, it's a hard lifestyle to try to maintain healthy eating habits, healthy lifestyle? For the most part. But the nice thing is that trucks have come with a lot of amenities they never used to have. They do have refrigerators and freezers now. Uh, they do have, uh, uh, I guess they call them inverters. So they don't have to leave the truck running all the time. They can use inverters for electricity. So the inverters are big enough and powerful enough now they can run microwaves so they can reheat homemade foods, which is nice. And uh, they've chosen to snack on a lot of things. A lot of drivers these days will not buy stuff from a truck stop anymore. A lot of them will go and buy their groceries once a week, which is a smart move because you're eating healthier and you're able to diversify what you put in the fridge what you put in the freezer and what you put in your cabinets. So it makes for a healthier lifestyle, I think. Oh, that's good. So people are still paying attention to that and, and wanting to make sure that they're healthy. And, you know, there's another thing that I know you had talked about in your podcast, and you talked about uh, access to clean washroom facilities, bathrooms. And I know myself, I've traveled a bit, done a few road trips, and you go into a service station and you ask to use the bathroom, you walk in, there's toilet paper on the floor, it's a mess, the sink is overflowing with water, and you have to turn around and go, ooh, I can't go in there. And you turn around and leave. But I'm pretty lucky, I'm not traveling for work. What happens to you? How do you guys deal with that when you're on the road? And you do you have a hard time with that, getting clean facilities? I make it a habit of telling management that the restroom is unacceptable or if we go to take a shower, this shower is unacceptable. It wasn't cleaned properly. Most guys won't do that because they don't want the hassle of complaining, the hassle, the wait time of having somebody go in to re-clean it. They're just like, oh, shucks, it's bad. I'm going to go ahead and do it anyway, but 
this is just the way it is. Well, we can't do it that way. We really no. have to voice our opinion. Otherwise, it's going to keep getting worse. But the facilities are not as clean, nowhere near as clean as what they could be. Now, there was a spike in cleanliness when COVID hit, of course. They were forced to. But now they're back to their normal. Well, it looks okay. Hmm, that's hard. And do you think part of it is not having enough staff to be in there checking up on things in between? I think that's part of it. After the COVID and the lockdowns eased up, they're still having trouble getting people out of their houses to go to work. I think America is still six to eight million people short of what they need for the workforces. So, Yeah, we're having the same problems over here. We see help wanted signs all the time. We actually have medical facilities here that are closing on weekends because they just don't have the healthcare staff to come back. So I think staffing issues seems to be a problem all over the place. And it, it's really hard, especially when we talk about things, you know, like having facilities that are clean, facilities that are open and available without people. We can't have those things. Yeah, yeah it's kind of tricky. So when we're talking about traveling on the road, um, I know you covered RVs on the road. And uh, what's your take on that? What's it been like for you having those great big RVs pull up beside you and the guy's waving at you and it's probably his first time driving that big RV. He's all set to go on the holiday and that thing's as big as a school bus and it's his first time on the road. <laughs> How's that happen? I do understand how excited people get when they get into an RV and then this is a big truck. I love this. I I get to pull a house around with me and go camping. That's fun and dandy. And I appreciate the thoughts that they have when they do that because it is exciting. And I would suggest when you do drive a camper, always stay in the right lane. Uh, try not to drive too fast. They're not made for high speeds at all. It's kind of like a U-Haul trailer. They just don't do well. Trucks are designed for a high rate of speed up to a certain point. RVs are not. They are basically... Their basic function is to house you when you get to where you're going for comfort while you're sleeping, eating, things like that. But when you're driving an RV, and it is fun, believe it or not, but take your time, relax. You're in an RV for a reason. You're on vacation. No use hurting anybody or crashing or anything like that. Enjoy the fact that you can sit in the right lane and relax. And in fact, the slower you go in an RV, the much better fuel mileage you get. So, but yeah, I appreciate them and I do understand what they're going through. But I also know that they can be an extreme burden if they're not driven properly, just like a big truck or a car that goes too fast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. And that would make sense to me. I mean, I'm, I've been out there on the road. We just recently traveled, uh, pulling a travel trailer behind us as well. And I knew lots of people that were on our tail end, you know, they're picked because we're going a little bit slower. Well, we're going up and down hills and there's no need for speed. <laughs> I would never yeah. let anybody stress you out because they're yeah. behind you. Never let that stress you out. If they're behind you because you're going slow and you're going slow for a reason, that is their problem. That should never be your problem. It's just like I say when people zoom up behind me and I'm doing the speed limit through the city and I always do the speed limit through the city. They caught me because they were speeding. They didn't catch me because I was going too slow. So that is their problem. You worry about your front door. Let them worry about getting around you because if you're doing the right thing and you're not in the in the way of the passing lane, they have no excuse to get mad whatsoever. Absolutely. And do you have a lot of people that are passing you on the double solid lines? 
it happens quite a bit, especially through mountainous areas like Tennessee, yeah. Georgia, things like that. They just get so impatient. And a lot of times it costs them their lives, unfortunately. Yeah, I see stuff like that when we were coming back from our last camping trip. We had somebody that was annoyed because we were pulling the trailer and there was a motorbike coming in the opposite lane, bit of a windy road, and a guy tried to pass us. And uh, luckily, my partner had the foresight to pull over as close as he could to the right side without jeopardizing us, at least to alert that motorcycle this guy's coming around the corner. And, you know, I'm just shaking my head and I'm going, you know, good grief, could the guy not have just waited another minute around the road? There was a passing lane (laughs) instead of causing stress for everybody. And I just kept seeing that motorcycle coming and going, gee, why did he have to pass there? Why couldn't he wait? And it goes back to what you were saying. Patience on the road is a really good thing. And there's so many things that you have to deal with. And I was thinking the other day, you know, I mean, we're all complaining. We're going to the grocery store. Our bills are rising up, up and up. Our cost of fuel's going up. Insurance is going up. Everything is going up right now. <laughs> and I wonder how is it for you guys? I mean, we're, we're sitting here complaining because our truck that takes us to work or to school costs us more. How about you? That's your, your livelihood and you're dealing with all that. Very stressful, especially for the owner-operators. I was an owner-operator. Uh, I, then I worked for a company. Now I am semi-retired where I work for a farm. So I basically am home every night and off on weekends. So I'm a lot better off today, but I, as you get older, you want that anyway. You know, you've earned your retirement. But a lot of these guys are still owner operators and they're still hauling freight loads that are below normal average pay, but they're experiencing the cost of, the rising cost of everything, fuel, food, you name it. And it's, it's not good, but, um, and it does add to the stress level, but there are ways you can combat some of that extra expense by getting fuel cards that give you discounts, um, waiting to fuel up in certain places that may be a little bit cheaper, certain states that offer cheaper fuel prices. But for the most part, it's, it's, it's very stressful. And, uh, I think in the long run, we're going to make it through this, but maybe there's a chance that several people won't. Around 2% of the owner-operators have already parked their trucks until things get better. I I can believe that. And that's got to be hard because we rely on these people to bring our goods. And uh, I mean, I i don't know what's out there for supports or help like in Canada or the U.S. I'm, I'm not familiar with that, but it just seems, gee whiz, you know, when these people are providing essential services and you know, that truck showing up with the medications, diapers, groceries, and all that stuff. There's got to be some kind of help for the people that are providing those essential services to us. We can only hope. Um, yeah. There are certain programs that companies have, um, and some brokers have been offering assistance. Plus, you get fuel surcharge from some companies. Yeah. But for the most part, you pretty much have to do your research before you book a load to make sure it's not going to be cost you more than you're going to make yeah that's huge and things that we we wouldn't know as a general public we wouldn't think of that stuff behind the scenes there's another thing that i have to bring up that i love this about your podcast and i was listening to one of them and i think it goes back to the camaraderie thing when you're talking about everybody works together and in one of your podcasts you mentioned that it didn't matter what color you were what religion you were truckers are truckers and you're all in it together And I really like that because I grew up in a really diverse neighborhood. 
uh, back in the Yukon and we were always taught by my mom that if you turn everybody inside out we're all going to look alike anyway <laughs> and it, it was awesome and I, I love that when you mentioned that in that podcast and I was like kudos to you for saying that because you know you're really promoting inclusion you're talking about women getting more into trucking and good for you like I think that's great that you mentioned that I women have been in trucking for a long time the, the unfortunate part is they have never been a large percentage. Uh, they did a story in 1976, NBC did a story about a gal named Lisa. Yo-Yo was her handle, Whirly. Okay. And it is on YouTube, you can watch it. Um, they called it a real bad ASS trucker. And they filmed her, they <laughs> interviewed her. She was awesome. And really? she's still alive today, by the way. Oh, I gotta but, look uh, it up. She is awesome and uh, the, the story, but women trucking, I, we just did a blog on that. Uh, really important that we start figuring out. In fact, they, the United States government just started a group that is a coalition, or I don't know what they, how they put it, but they are literally putting together some sort of board for women in the trucking industry so that they know exactly what it is they need in order to invite and bring more women out to the trucking industry. There's a lot of women that want to drive. They just are inti too intimidated to do so. We have been dealing with diversity for a very long time. It takes a special type of person to, to operate a truck, not a special type of color. And we get out there. We're all brothers and sisters in trucking. I love it. And I, I think you just nailed it right there. And I, I love it. So I wanted to thank you for putting that message out because I, I think that was really awesome to have that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've probably made some good friends over the years through trucking as well, too. Have a lot of good friends. Some have passed away, unfortunately. Um, a lot of good. I've met so many people I've only met once in my entire life. And I will never forget the entire conversation because that's how special it was. I've met so many different people out there and the lessons I have learned are invaluable. You, you, I couldn't, you couldn't give me enough money to give you that information. It's just priceless. That's amazing. And, and that almost sounds like what, something you talked about in your episode about rookies. And you were talking about how important it was to pay attention to the people with more experience, people that have been doing it for years and learn from them one time you were probably what you considered the rookie driver and uh, you probably learned a lot from some of the old timers and and is that you now are you the guy that's passing on the knowledge well i did a podcast not too long ago about it's okay to be a rookie because when i was a rookie i wanted those people to teach me i i didn't care what they called me i didn't care if they called me rookie or they gave me some ribbon with their elbow about not doing something correctly the first time and that's that was important to me because I was raised that way. I was raised by a Marine and boy, they can dig in the ribs real deep. But I'll tell you what, it meant that he loved me and that these drivers, they love you when they rib you because they don't want to seem like a, a silly person. They just want to be tough. You know, they, they're driving a tough truck, so they want to act a little tough. They're going to rib you, but they want you to do okay. They don't want you to get hurt. They don't want you to be sad. They don't want you to you know, spend your half your night trying to park a truck that you can't maneuver. They want you to succeed, but they got to do it with the little, 
ribbon because oh yeah that's a truck driver <laughs> keeping it light-hearted i don't I, care if it's a male or female either <laughs> boy them, them women out there can rib you just as good i'll tell you yeah and i can tell you also coming from experience women can have trucker modes too that's right that's right <laughs> and there's some things that i probably say when i'm having that cup of coffee that i can't put on the podcast <laughs> you know, there's a reason a sailor never marries a trucker oh there, <laughs> there you that go. crosses that's... the line that's too much yeah, that would be a little bit on the scary side. No <laughs> so I got another quick question. I'm going to laugh about some of these questions. You'll probably go, oh my gosh, where does she come up with these? Backing up. So, I mean, I, I have a hard enough time. Like, I there's no way I could back up our truck and travel trailer. Good luck. <laughs> it's like I'm being honest and I'm, I'm sure there's lots of women that could, but that's just not my forte. And then how do you manage in those big trucks? Do you have backup cameras? Like, how do you guys do that? Well, no, we don't have cameras yet. And I am shocked, really, that as of today, there's no backup cameras on the back of a trailer because to me, that seems logistical, but yeah. or logical, I should say. But no, it's it's it gets easy because you practice. But the one thing you the only thing I can say to anybody to make it sound easier or whatever, or to even guide them, just follow the trailer. Let the trailer be the front end of the vehicle and you let that what you're driving be the back end and just follow it in. And it it's it sounds simple and it seems hard, but it really is simple on both ends once you get used to it. Practice makes perfect. I guess it's like anything. And I think back to the very first time I drove a standard car, I learned on a standard with a stick shift. And I remember it the first time, you know, you're doot, 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 and you're jerking in the car and you're bunny hopping. You're thinking, I'm never going to get this. And then after you've done it a couple times, it's like, ah, oh, no big deal. You just get in and you're moving the clutch and yeah. it's not a big deal. And I, I guess it's probably the same thing. If you're taught properly and you're able to follow the directions, eventually it's just going to, it's going to fall into place. Well, it's my, my wife used to tell me this all the time because I would tell somebody, oh, it's easy. I don't know what's wrong with you. She goes, well, uh, your daughter's up there doing a ballerina skit for school. Why don't you go up and do what she's doing if it's so easy? You know, it, it just goes to show you that no matter how old you are, if you practice, you can do it. If you don't practice or if you don't learn it, you're going to have trouble just like anybody else, whether you're trying to do a ballerina skit or whether you're trying to back up a semi you have to practice. <laughs> that sounds like it makes sense. And, yep. and I bet this morning as we started this podcast, you're probably thinking she needs to practice that screen a bit more. So I'm going, Walter, Walter, where'd my screen go? <laughs> I, yeah, could yeah. Use, I could use a little bit more practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So no, this is great. I mean, you've shared so much information and, you know, and I just want to mention that I've, for my entire life, I've had a lot of respect for truckers. And again, it probably comes up from growing, you know, up in northern Canada in the Yukon. And, you know, I remember when my kids were young driving down the highway and I was so grateful when we called them the muffin trucks. And the muffin trucks were run by a Yukon, Alaska transport, I believe, at the time. And they were running up to a mine that we had. And I knew when I was on the road, those trucks would be coming up behind me. If something happened, I got a flat or whatever, and it's 30 below, and I'm driving in the car with my kid in the back seat. I knew that I could count on having one of those trucks coming up. And I was so grateful to see them go by. And I remember another time I was working for a publisher, traveling on the northern roads, and I was driving a big white cargo van in the middle of winter, hit a snowstorm and I stopped at a truck stop cafe and I ended up having lunch with a trucker there while I was on the road. 
And the first thing he said to me is, why are you driving a white van in a snowstorm? Where's the logos on it? Where's the colors on your van? You should talk to your boss, he said, and tell him to get more color on your vehicle. Because if you slide off the road in the snow, nobody's going to see that white van. And it was a trucker that told me that. And I thought, good observation. He's on the road in the snow every day. And I went back to work and said to my boss, I need colored logos on my van. A trucker told me that. <laughs> Throughout my entire life, I've noticed trucks on the road. I've noticed they're out there in 20 below, 30 below, 40 below, raining, shine, no matter what. They're always out there making sure we get what we need. And sometimes we just need to be a little bit more grateful and thankful for the drivers. That's my well, <laughs> we we uh, we appreciate you too because I I guarantee you if I had a nickel for every time a person in a car helped me out while I was on the road stopped a little bit further back so I can make my turn a little bit easier or maybe waited and let me change lanes so I could pass another driver I would be a millionaire right now mm -hmm. I mean there are so many good drivers and that's just it the vast majority of truck and car drivers we're the best. We just somehow keep hearing about all the bad ones. Yeah. So I and, think and we ought to just stick together. I, I agree. And I totally agree with your attitude that like keeping everything positive. I always say the attitude of gratitude and just making yeah. sure the good stories get out there. Because, you know, I think we, you and I chatted the other day and said it's really unfortunate. Often the media is quick to pick up on all the bad things. But there's so many good things that happen behind the scenes. I mean, even you mentioned to me there was a couple of organizations that you, you were involved in that help people. And I think... Uh, was Trucker it Final Mile. Yeah. yeah. Trucker's I Final Mile is a good one. Um, there's all kinds of organizations that help truck drivers. There's all kinds of organizations where truck drivers help other people. And because we're on the road all the time and we see so much, a lot of times we see people in need or communities in need and then we start talking on the CB about it. Next thing you know, a lot more people know about it. Now, with the advent of the Internet, it's so much easier for social media to take control. But we're still there in case somebody misses something and we see it. We're going to let somebody know. That is awesome. I think that is wonderful. And on a final note here, I guess, as we're getting ready to wrap it up here, is there anything you would want to say to motorists out there? Anything how we, as the other people on the road, can make your life easier? understand that we have one purpose and that is to make it home alive and the last thing a truck driver wants to do is hurt or kill anybody that's not who we are people get mad they say things they don't mean but all in all humanity is a good thing and loving other people is a great thing so if you see something a truck does that you don't understand rather than get mad look it up Find out why they made that move. If they made that move because they're a screwball, then maybe report them or something or let their boss know they're not driving so healthy. But if they did it for a legitimate reason, next time you'll know and you'll know we're not out there to do any harm. We just want to get the job done and make it home safe to our family. Absolutely. That makes total sense. Well, I guess we should probably wrap it up here on the note of heading on home. And I can't thank you enough for taking the time to come on the podcast today. You shared some great information and somehow I think I'm going to have the song Convoy in my head for the rest of the day. I love that day. song. <laughs> yeah, that one sticks with me too. But I, I really do appreciate your time and I, I hope everybody has a chance to 
uh, listen to this podcast and maybe provide some feedback. And if they want to listen to your podcast, is it okay if I scoop a little bit of a clip and I'll put it in my podcast as well? That's great. Thank you. Perfect. I'll take part of your sound. I'm going to put it in and I'll also put a link to your show in my show notes as well. So if somebody wants to listen to your podcast, uh, they'll know where to find you. Thank you. That's perfect. Thank you so much again. And I hope you have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. Take care. Bye. Thanks again to Walter Gatlin for taking the time to chat with us today about trucking. It doesn't matter where you live, what side of the border you're on, or what kind of car you're driving, we all share the same roadways, and it really does help when we all work together. And if you're wondering about Walter's podcast series, I'm going to give a little audio clip here just to give you a taste of what you might expect. Changing lanes without blinkers. Driving slow in the left lane. Able to sit on the fuel island for a whole hour. Hey, get the hell out of the damn way. Trucker Buffet is the all-you-can-feed-your-brain podcast. Once again, I'd really like to thank you for your time. And do remember, as you head out there this week, smiles come in all languages and in all colors. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to click like and share it so others can enjoy it also. Join the Lindy's Audio Cafe podcast group for updates. Oh, and positive reviews are always welcome as well. (laughs) Check the show notes for updated links. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.